Welcome to Central Baptist Church of Livingston, Texas. We're glad that you've chosen to study God's Word with us today. We'd invite you to visit our website, centrallivingston.com, to learn more about our mission to preach, to teach, and to live the gospel for the glory of God. Now, open your Bible or your Bible app and study God's Word with us. Amen. You can be seated. You know, we have two more days, three if you count today, in our prayer guide. If you have been participating in what we've been doing on Sunday mornings and throughout the week of the last several weeks, we have been praying for God to work and move among us. And our theme over the last several weeks has been praying the same things, reading the same verses, praying the same things towards the same God. And if all of us begin to do that, God moves when his people move towards him. You believe that? I believe that. I firmly believe that. And I want to read for us, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, but I just want to read for us Psalm 67, because that's going to be the last day of our prayer guide. It's coming up just in two days on October the 11th. Today we're praying, of course, for missionaries and for people groups. But listen to what it says in Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad. Sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity. You guide, guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. All the nations of the world praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Now listen. We want to pray that for Central Baptist Church. We want to pray that God would make our congregation and make us into a place where all of the nations of the earth would be reached by way of us, that God would use us, that God would shine his face upon us, that we would be a bright light here in Livingston and Polk County, here in East Texas, that we would be a church that shines brightly, that looks healthy, the Spirit of God is the freedom to work among us and in us, right? You believe that? We want to pray that for ourselves. We want to pray that for people to your left and to your right. Pray that for people behind you and in front of you. Pray that for people above you and below you. What God wants to do among us is something special, but it isn't something that is unique or different. It is what God has always wanted to do through the local church. And that is make Jesus himself known. What a beautiful picture when we make Jesus known through our love for one another, through our unity, and through what we share with one another and through with a lost and dying world. This morning on October the 9th, of course, we are praying for the people groups of the world that they would be reached. If you've been following along in your prayer, God, yesterday we prayed for the almost 4,000 missionaries that we support through our International Mission Board. I just want us to spend a few moments this morning praying for those people groups. And let's pray Psalm 67 upon our congregation this morning. God, as we come to you as a congregation, we thank you. We thank you for this time that we've had to sing and to worship you. And we thank you for this moment that we have to pray to you and talk to you and also listen. We've already been listening through edifying music you have pointed us to you, Jesus. You have pointed us to the truth that we have in Jesus. You have pointed us to the truth that we have in your word that we can declare and proclaim. 
We thank you for that grace that we sang about a moment ago. We thank you for that mercy that we just sung about a moment ago. But God, we also thank you for your promises. We are not alone. We don't walk through this world alone. We have you with us always, whether we're alone, whether we're together as a congregation. We know you are with us. You guide us, you direct us, you don't leave us in the dark. You also have a purpose and plan for our lives as individuals, a purpose and a plan for our congregation, for every local church. And it's always the same, it is to make disciples of all nations. And fathers, we come to you this morning, we pray this psalm into our congregation, this great psalm, that God, you would be gracious to us, that you would bless us, that you would make your face shine upon us, and that your way may be known on earth through central, that your saving power would be made known among the nations, beginning right here in Livingston in Polk County in East Texas, that all the peoples would praise you, O Lord, beginning with us, that all the peoples would praise you, that the nations would be glad and sing for joy because they have met you, Lord Jesus. And so, God, we pray that for our congregation. We also pray, Lord, for the thousands of unreached and unengaged people groups, almost 3,500 of them that we know about on this earth. We pray for the over 12,000, almost 13,000 people groups that we know of that cover the canvas of this globe. We thank you for your creativity. We thank you for how you've created each of us with different languages, with different cultures, living in different countries all over the world. And you love everyone. Just as much as you love us, you love them. So we pray that you, Lord, would make uh, your name known and make your name great among the nations of the world. God, you would bless our missionaries as they're serving, that you would find us faithful to pray and to give and to go and to send. God, as a church, that, Lord, we would be a part of, God, what you are wanting to do and that you are doing around the nations today. God, we reach, we reach towards you this morning because you, you, we believe in you, that you're a God who meets us where we are. So you are here among us. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are working in us and through us. God, bless your, your word, Lord, as we open it today. Find our hearts open, yielded, and obedient. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it is good to be with you once again this morning. I want you to turn your Bibles this morning to the book of Joshua. Book of Joshua. Today we are beginning our series, and we're going to be walking through the book of Joshua together on Sunday mornings. And so we're going to start today with kind of an overview or an introduction to Joshua, if you will. If you remember many, many weeks ago when we walked through the book of Acts, we did a kind of a flyover of the book of Acts before we started it. Today we're going to do the very same thing, if you will, about Joshua, because I want you to understand the story of Joshua. I want you to understand the basics of what God is doing in the book of Joshua. And as we begin to walk through it chapter by chapter, story by story, scene, if you will, by scene, in this great story in the Bible in the Old Testament, uh, God is going to teach us so much. So I want to share with you a little bit about Joshua. Joshua, first of all, is a very adventurous book. Ben, boys, you guys are going to love this book, okay? 
It's all about spies, and there's swords, and there's war, and there's battle scenes, and there's secret intelligence, there's death, there is sieges, there's divine intervention, there's all kinds of things, and so this is a very adventurous book. I'll tell you what else about Joshua that's important for us to understand. It's also an encouraging book. This is a story that is a successful story. I mean, this is the one generation that got things right. They did things in the right way. They, they, they trusted God. They followed God. They listened to what God said. And God said this, that if you would follow me, God said that if you would listen to me, if you would surrender to me, if you would obey me, then good things will happen. Good things will come to you. So this is the book, a story about how this generation took God up on his word. They followed him. And God moved among them. This is the one generation that got it right. For sure, there were signs of weakness. For sure, there were signs of frailty, of failure. We're going to see that with a man by the name of Achan in the book of Joshua. We're going to see that in a treaty that shouldn't have been a treaty among the Gibeonites, this people called the Gibeonites. But for the most part, they were overall followers of God this generation of God's people. They trusted God. Before we get into the book of Joshua, as we're going to walk through it chapter by chapter together on Sundays, I want to introduce the book to you. It's an Old Testament book, of course. Um, and I want to spend this morning just helping you understand how the book of Joshua fits into the overall part of the Bible. Why is the book of Joshua there? How does it fit into the bigger story of what God says to us from Genesis to Revelation? How does it fit into that big story of redemption? It really is an amazing story. You see, Joshua is, the book of Joshua is the last part of God's big plan to redeem Israel from slavery in Egypt and reconcile them to himself. See, God had promised and given and through Joshua, we're going to see the restoration of four things that God had given to his people in the Old Testament. There was, of course, uh, the land, the inheritance. There was, of course, the rest from their enemies. There, there was, of course, the great blessing. There was, of course, a new life. There's four big things that God had, had promised to his people. We're going to see this final part, if you will, of God's plan of redemption, of restoring those things to his people. Israel's salvation was fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham way back in the book of Genesis. Way back in the book of Genesis. God had given this great covenant to Abraham. It was God's plan, and God's plan all along was to restore his people, to make them into a great nation. There was a bigger part of the plan of why that exists. And this is the story of the Bible, right? God's great redemption plan is to always redeem and to reconcile us to himself, right? This is always God's plan in our lives. And when we fail, here's the good news. When we fail him, and we all do, it's not the end of the story. God is always a God that takes our failures, that takes us from the gutter and brings us to himself. He is a God, he's a God who, who restores us and completely changes the ugliness of sin and brings us to himself and to restore us and to reconcile us unto himself. This is what God does. This is what he always does. And Joshua is just a part of that story, of God's story. Let me help you understand this. 
in the Old Testament that flows into the New Testament. If you remember Genesis chapter 1 and 2, what did Adam and Eve have? Well, they had four things. They were at one with God. There was no brokenness with God. There was no separation with God. They gained, mankind gained from God four things. See, they gained land. They were in the Garden of Eden. They, they not only gained land, but they had rest. There were no enemies. There was no conflict. There was only perfection. They certainly had blessing from God. They also had life. There was no death. There was no decay. There was no cancer. There were no funerals. There were no funeral homes. There was only life in Genesis 1 and 2. But we know the story, right? Because Genesis 1 and 2 gives way to Genesis 3. And in Genesis 3, we see the fall of man. And because of sin, what did we lose as humanity? We gained those things, but what did we lose in Genesis 3? We lost what? The land. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, weren't they? They gained, or they lost the rest that they gained from God. Women had pain during childbirth. Men, it was difficult, and it is difficult to work even today. There was stress, pain, struggle, but certainly not rest. There certainly was, blessing was lost. We received the curse of sin, right? Romans chapter 3, verse 23, right? What is it? All have what? Sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, it tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. So, so not only did we lose the land, did we lose the rest, did we lose blessing, but we also lost life because eventually now we would die. We would suffer. We would struggle. And see, the fall, what we learn is that the fall in the book of Genesis is, in, is the direct disobedience to God's command. Well, what was God's command to Adam and Eve? Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We lost everything. We, we lost everything that God intended for us because humanity did not trust God and choose to obey God in that moment. So they, we lost everything, which sets the stage for God's big story from Genesis to Revelation. What it sets the stage for is this. How in the world, how are we going to, how will exile and the curse and death is going, are going to be overcome? How are we going to shake these things? How are these things going to be overcome and, and overwhelmed? Well, it's not going to happen right away. It's not going to happen immediately. No. Things are going to get worse. Because in the first chapter, 11 chapters of Genesis, things continue to get worse if you read it. So much worse that we get to the flood, and Noah's there with the flood, and the flood then covers the entire earth because God regrets making humanity because humanity continues to drift further and further away from him. Then we see the salvation of Noah and his family in the ark, and God's people begin to multiply again. But what happens inevitably? Well, we get to the Tower of Babel, and it's there that God takes and, and confuses the languages and scatters his people across the world. We see this continuing to grow. They continue to lose the land, continue to lose the rest, continue to lose blessing, continue to lose life, all because people on earth continued not to trust and follow God. And then we get to Genesis chapter 12, which is the great covenant between God and who? Abraham. 
We have this great covenant. In chapter 12, verse 1, what does God do? He says, so he comes to Abraham, he says, if you will trust me, if you will surrender to me, if you will obey me, I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will make your, the, you into a great nation, Israel. I will give you land, Canaan, a future inheritance. I will give you rest from your enemies. I will give you blessing. I will give you life. Generation after generation after generation will be blessed with life. God, I, God says to Abraham, if you follow me and you trust me and you do things my way, then blessing comes, land comes, rest comes, life comes. But God didn't give him these things in full. How could one man understand all of that. So he takes Abraham out, do you remember this? Into the dark of night. No city lights in the horizon. Pitch dark, and he shows him the stars of the sky. He shows him all of these millions upon millions of stars of the sky. He says, I will make your name great, and I will make your nation as many as the stars of the sky. And what did Abraham do? He believed what? He believed God. And it tells us in Genesis chapter 12 that it was accredited to him as righteousness because he believed God. This is what God wants. God always wants us to believe. He always wants us to follow. He always wants us to surrender to what he says. And ultimately, we have this great promise by God of land and of blessing and of rest and of life. We'll fast forward in the story. We see God's people continue to grow, and now Israel is, is Israel, and God's offspring, or Abraham's offspring is there, and, and they become a great nation. Now more than one million people are in Egypt. God leads them out of Egypt and leads them to this great mountain, the mountain called Mount Sinai. And it's there that God gives his people these, this law. There in Leviticus chapter 18, he gives them the law. When he gives them this law, he says this to them, he says, listen, people, my people, if you trust me, if you surrender to me in my will, then I will give you the promised land. I will give you rest from your enemies. I, I will give you blessing, milk and honey. I, I will give you long life if you will simply trust me and follow my law. And it's Sinai in the story, this great story in the Old Testament. We kind of get a glimpse so maybe the law is the answer to gaining these things back permanently in the life of humanity. Maybe the, the law is going to defeat exile and, and death and this curse, that, that, that all of it will be overcome. And the anticipation of the story is beginning to build, isn't it? Maybe this is the answer. If we just follow the law, if God's people just simply follow his law, things will really go well for them. And for a while, it starts to work. For a while, God's people are following him and they're wandering through the wilderness, but then what happens? It just all falls apart. Because Moses comes to these 12 men and he says to these 12 men, I want you to go into the promised land. Remember, God's got already given it to us. He's already given this promised land to us. He's already given us the milk and honey, the land of milk and honey. He's already given us the blessing. He's already given us life. He's already given us the land, even though there are these millions of people all over the land. God's going to give it to us. Just go and check it out and come back and give us a report. And these 12 men go over and their eyes come back wide and fear has filled most of their hearts and they fail to trust God. 
they, they, see the, they see the cities, they see the walls, they see the, the, the impenetrable cities before them. They, they see the millions of people with armies and that outnumber the Israelites and, 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 and they come back and instead of trusting God, instead of following God, instead of obeying God, what do they do? They say, no, we won't do that. And once again, in the story we see that inevitably what happens, God denies them the land. He sends this entire generation into the wilderness to die. He, he denies them rest. They have conflict from their surrounding nations. He, he denies them blessing. He sends them into the desert. Instead of the land that is flowing with milk and honey, he sends them back into the desert. He, he denies them long life. He inevitably kills off this first generation, a generation that saw the Red Sea split, a, a generation that saw all of the plagues in Egypt, a, a generation that saw Pharaoh come to his knees before God, they would not follow God and cross into the promised land and trust God. And inevitably, God denied them of everything. And church, this is the story of Israel. God provides, and they waste it. God provides again, and they continue to waste it. And the people's response to this law was insufficient to deliver them from falling short of the glory of God, which brings us to Joshua. Because Joshua is not like, this generation is not like their moms and their dads. This generation is not like their granddads and their grandmothers. This generation is not the generation that came out of Egypt uh, that, that were in charge. This is not the generation that saw the Red Sea split as adults. This is a new generation, a generation that is the second generation that follows a faithful God with courageous living. This is a generation that is the conquest generation, and what we're going to learn in the book of Joshua is that they, they take the Lord up on their prom, on his promise. They, they take the Lord up on what he wants and what he has promised them. They do, and they are going to trust the Lord. They, they are going to follow what the Lord says. They're going to surrender to his will. They, they're going to follow what God says. They're going to follow his word. They're going to follow it courageously, and they're going to live courageously, and guess what begins to happen? Well, they get these four things. In fact, in Joshua chapter 21, listen to these three verses. It says, thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given, them all, given all their enemies into their hand. Joshua 21, verse 45, last verse of the chapter. Not one word of the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. God is good. When we are faithful and when we follow him, God is good. And the people of God here in Joshua, this generation is going to get the land. They're going to get the, the rest. They're going to get the blessing. They're going to get life. And at this point, God's people have come full circle. Because what did Adam and Eve lose in the Garden of Eden? They lost these things. But, but here, they're, they're going to gain these things. Everything had been lost. Through Sinai, the law, paradise. 
Now it's returned just to, if they just stay the course of obedience, if, if they just stay and follow God, keep following the Lord, God will give them this endless land, this endless rest, this endless blessing, this endless life. You see, in, in Joshua, in the book of Joshua, while we see this theme of courageous living that meets a faithful God, we also see that there are these glimpses that things are going to change in the future. They, because generation one is gone, generation two is faithful, but generation three is yet to come. And Joshua's all about generation two, Joshua leading this generation into the promised land to follow God. But there are these glimpses that God's people are not going to trust and obey in the future. The third generation we learn in the book of Judges, when you read the book of Judges, describes this third generation of a people that eventually lose everything, the same things that Adam and Eve lost. God takes his people and puts them back into exile. They, they lose the land. They lose the blessing. They lose life. They lose rest. God's going to take his people once again in generation three and put them all back into that. They're going to lose everything. And this is the story of Israel. The nation falls and then another nation or generation rises up to get things right and get them back on track to follow God's plan. And then they lose it all again. And the response of God's people to the law, listen, becomes inadequate for us to experience and for them to experience true salvation in God which leads us to the New Testament. I want you to notice the word Joshua, the name Joshua, and how similar it sounds to Yeshua, Jesus. It's actually the same name, because in, Old, in the Old Testament, in Hebrew, Jesus' Hebrew name is Yeshua, Joshua. It actually means in Hebrew, the name Joshua, meaning in, or in Hebrew, means uh, Yahweh is salvation. The name Joshua, Yahweh, God, is salvation. Fast forward to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. You don't have to turn there in your Bibles, but in Matthew 1, 21, the angel comes and tells Joseph, you shall name him, what? Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Joshua, in the book of the Old Testament, or in the Old Testament, was a big part of God's provision under the Old Covenant to lead God's people to freedom and bondage. Jesus is God's provision, provision under the New Covenant to lead God's people to salvation, which is why we exist here this morning. The New Testament says that during our time here on earth, Jesus, in Jesus, we get everything we need. Listen, church, in Jesus, we gain everything. We get everything we need. Jesus is our land. He is our inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1, verse uh, 13, or verse 11 says, in Christ we have obtained an inheritance. Jesus is our land. He is also our rest. What did Jesus tell us? All you who are weary, come to me, all you who are weary, who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. In Jesus, Jesus is our blessing. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 
says, blessed be the God of our Lord Jesus Christ who blessed us in every spiritual blessing. In Jesus, we have life. What did Jesus say about himself? I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus also said what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, understand that when we look at the New Testament and we understand Joshua and how it plays into what God says to us in the New Testament, just as God's offer to the Israelites, to Joshua, through Joshua, was for them if they would respond to God's faithfulness and trust, if they would meet a faithful God with obedience and courageous living. God's offer to you and I this morning, listen to me, church, God's offer to all of us, salvation is through Jesus to all who would respond to him. He is our provision. His faithfulness. If we, fa- if we follow him with obedience and courageous living, then we meet a faithful God who has sent Jesus into this world to save us, to meet us where we are, lost, having lost the land, having lost inheritance, having lost that, that, that blessing, having lost life, having lost that rest. If we meet a Jesus who is all of that and personifies all of that, then we gain those things. You see, in Jesus, we gain our inheritance. In Jesus, we gain that rest, that blessing, that new life. And listen, one day, one day, these things promised to us now on earth in the spiritual realm, because they are in the spiritual realm, will be realized not only in the spiritual realm, but in the physical realm. Because one day, for those who follow God, who follow Jesus' plan, who follow him with their whole hearts and obey and surrender and trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, will be met with a God who leads us into the promised land, the city of God. Who, who will lead us to a place where there is rest, where there is no sorrow, where there are no more sad, tears, no more pain, no more sadness, no more diseases, no more suffering. To a place, God then leads us to a place where we have life, that we gain this blessing of not only an abundant life now, but an eternal life in heaven. So the question I have for you this morning is, have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Have you surrendered and obeyed that God? Have you surrendered your life to what Jesus wants for you? And I'm not asking if you've believed in him casually. I, I'm not asking if you've come to this church. I'm not asking if you've prayed a prayer. I'm not, I'm not asking if you've, if you've given money. I'm not asking you if you're even a member of this church. I'm not asking if you've been baptized. I'm asking, have you surrendered your life to Jesus fully with your whole heart? Have you personally trusted? Have you personally surrendered yourself to him? Listen, that's the first mark of the disciple of Jesus, is are you following him with your whole heart? Are you following him with your whole life? That's what God wants to know from us. And that's why, that that when it comes to God, God wants our trust, he wants our obedience, and by doing that, it triggers everything else in our life. When we surrender our lives to his will, surrender our lives to him, it triggers everything else God wants to do in us and through us, for us. What is the purpose of Joshua? Well, 
How does it fit into God's bigger story from Genesis to Revelation? It's very simple and it's easy for us to understand. You see, we meet in Joshua, we meet a faithful God that is seeking to redeem our lives and reconcile us to ourselves, to himself. We hear a God who calls us to courageous living, to obedient living. You see, he's keeping his promise. He's keeping his promises to us each and every day. And his promise to us is to redeem us, to redeem all of creation from the fall and to restore us to himself. His will has never changed. He is long-suffering, which means he's patient. God is patient. In fact, he's so patient that he desires no one to perish. That's what the Bible tells us. He, he helps us understand this. Is done through Jesus Christ. He's helping us to understand how, through Jesus Christ, he's helping us how to understand how to respond to Jesus Christ. We're going to see that as we walk through the book of Joshua together. Church, we have a faithful God. This church and we have had a faithful God for a long time. For as long as this church has ever been here. But what he's asking of us is are we a people that are obedient? Are we a people who are going to follow him courageously and live courageously towards him? Are we going to be like that generation, the generation we're going to learn a lot about as we walk through the book of Joshua? I'm excited as we start the book of Joshua together. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. I want to ask our worship team to come forward, and they're going to lead us in a song. And Listen, what I want to ask you to do this morning, I didn't give you an opportunity to come down and pray, and I want to give you a chance to come and pray here at the altar this morning if you'd like to. If you want to come, you can come now. But listen, you know, as a church, I want to ask the Lord this morning to call us to courageous living, to be obedient, to listen to the call of God upon our life to surrender to him, to follow him with our whole hearts. This morning, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, no one looking around, listen, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, this is what God leads us to. He leads us to Jesus every Sunday, every day of our life. You've heard it this morning. You've heard that call to come to Christ this morning. If you're not a follower of Jesus or you're just not sure about that, we'll be here at the front to receive you, to answer questions for you. There are people in this church that want to help you understand what that decision looks like. Maybe God's calling you to just to come and pray here at the front, just to pray, maybe to confess some sin, to get that out of your life, to ask God to, to take over that flesh and replace it with the Spirit in your life, to give you that victory over those struggles that maybe you're having. You can come and you can pray here at the front. Maybe God's leading you to join our church. Maybe God's leading you to be baptized. We're going to be baptizing soon again. Whatever God is speaking to you about, let's follow him courageously. Let's follow him obediently with our whole heart. You with me? I'm going to pray. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And then we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song together and we're going to worship the Lord. And we'll be here at the front to receive you or pray with you or answer any questions for you about anything in your life. Let me pray. Father, we thank you this morning for our time in your word. Father, we do thank you for the book of Joshua. We thank you for the grand story of your word and how the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is one big story about you, about us, and about how we can finally be made right with you by way of your work through Jesus. 
on the cross and from the grave. Father, we thank you this morning for the time that we have to sing, to worship you, to make decisions, to follow you, and to obey you courageously with our hearts. You are a faithful God. We have seen you in the Old Testament. We've seen you in the New Testament. We've seen you in our lives every day. We've seen you in how you have been faithful in the lives of others around us. We have seen you, God, and how you have been faithful in our church, in different seasons in the life of this church. We believe that you are a God who is faithful into our future. And so would you find us obedient to follow you, a faithful God. And we give this time to you, Lord, as we sing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's sing together. Thank you for tuning in to one of our services. We would love to invite you, if you're ever in the Livingston area, to worship with us. We're located at 503 Northeast Avenue in Livingston, Texas. Here at Central Baptist, we are an intergenerational body of baptized believers with a blended style of praise who value expositional preaching, meaningful membership, consistent discipleship across all ages, and a gospel emphasis both locally and globally. If you'd like more information about Central, please visit our website at centrallivingston.com. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.